Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, we uh, we have a, a great show lined up today, but we have the uh, Super Bowl coming yeah, up. Yeah, it's Sunday. coming up. It's crazy. It's already here. I know. I feel like 2023 just hit, and yeah. now we're talking about the Super Bowl. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll be talking about Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Christmas. That's right. Happens in December. Christmas too. Yeah. You got a you got a favorite for the Super Bowl? You have a. I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just. I'm ready I don't to either. See the, I, I, I want like a good commercials. game. Commercials and a good game. Commercials. I think if that's it. Yeah, I really don't. Um, I, I think, you know, Chiefs, I, I, I like, the thing is, I don't dislike a team. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. I like the um, the Eagles because the, their band is better than the Chiefs band. Yeah, that's right. I'm just, that's, that's how I'm going with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, Eagles brooding, I, they, they haven't had, uh, uh, I guess, gotten this far in a little while. So yeah. I think maybe. Pulling for the Eagles, huh? There you go. All right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, we've got a great show lined up uh, today. We're going to um, start off talking about the um, the income distribution you know, and we don't talk a lot about this, so this is a great topic. Uh, you know, we talk about retirement planning and, mm-hmm. you know, making sure you have enough when you get into retirement, but then the other, the flip side is equally as important. Yeah, it's a good good article from Kiplinger um, just t- talking about, yeah, how how to actually go about those years in retirement when you're, you're taking income. Yeah, and yep. it's, it's important, um, and uh, we, we have a great process in place, and we'll, we'll kind of touch on that a little yeah. bit. And then we're going to switch gears in the um, the second half of the show and talk about wills versus trust. And um, this is a discussion that we talk pretty frequently about, differing opinions um, out in the marketplace. This is from the Ramsey organization. So um, pretty much everybody n- needs a will. Uh, the trust is always the question associated with it. So we'll yep. go into some detail on that and uh, dive in, and hopefully that'll be helpful to you. Um, and by the way, I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey uh, certified coach, and I have over 30 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And my name is Zach Albanese. I'm a financial advisor. I've <laughs> been with the firm two years and in the industry about three and a half. So Yeah, and I uh, got your CFP exam coming, coming up. Coming right? up next month. Yeah, <laughs> I was just at a, a review session. Yeah. It was four days, 10 hours a day. Wow. No, did not miss a beat either. It was like yeah. you had to pay attention. You couldn't look at your phone you couldn't check out for a minute because then yeah. you'd miss an wow. important topic so it was, it was really good um so i think i'm i think i'm more prepared now you're gonna you're gonna do well you, you put the time and you really got to put the time in on you this do. there's yeah, so much really material there's so a lot excited for you and uh, we're excited to have you listening to the um to the show today it comes up every single friday morning um you can go to our website moneymd.net uh go to itunes Listen to it, download it, um, check it out. We have a, a history of all of the shows. I think we just had 100,000 downloads of the podcast. That's right, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, on the Hit Podbean that. sent us a note saying we've had 100,000 downloads. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Pretty I, cool. I, I think that's uh, that's encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. So check us out on website, moneymd.net. You can link to us. You can ask us your questions um, from, that, uh, from that venue. And uh, we're going to start off here with the uh, financial fact of the week. And this sounds like a, a Dave Ramsey type fact yes um, and uh here's here's the fact the the average person spends 12 to 18 percent more when using a, a credit card that's interesting it is very interesting <laughs> because the credit card is it's just not emotional right versus yep. if you're pulling cash out you, if you have a car full of you know guys after a basketball game or yeah. something and you're like hey i've got to pay cash for this you'll be like no yeah, don't, don't supersize really that. that oh yeah so people do spend more with, yep. with credit cards i think it's, it's not that emotional. the delayed payment to you 
I'll worry about it later sort of mentality. I mean, I think that contributes to that. And yeah, so I think, you know, think about ways to combat this. I, I really do think it's, I know we live in a cashless society. I mean, we yeah. to- totally understand that. So I think having a good budget really helps um, combat that. Yeah. I wonder if a debit card's different. I haven't seen sure. a stat, you know, if it's yeah, the still statistics a, on that. Because it comes out of the uh, the bank account, you know, immediately. Yeah, it's so. an immediate deduction <laughs> as opposed to something you pay later. Yeah, I think... Um, That'd be interesting to see, it, see that statistic, but that's a good fact. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right, so um, we're going to switch gears here and start talking about the uh, retirement income distribution plan is is really as critical as, as savings and building up to it. So, you know, there's two pieces of retirement. It's, it's preparing for it, and then once you get in there, what, what are you yep. going to do And when you have crazy markets like we've had? Yeah, so this one's from Bradley Rosen at Kippinger, <laughs> and... Um, you know, the majority of our lives are, are spent in that accumulation mode, John, as you were saying. You know, you're earning a steady income. You're putting money aside for things like retirement, savings, you know, child's education, a vacation home. And so after years of investing and saving, it really is this critical shift in your mindset out of the accumulation mode and into distribution mode or decumulation um, when retirement nears or starts. And so making that mental shift is, is really difficult for most but having a comprehensive wealth plan that includes a retirement income, income distribution strategy can really help that, that process. So a wealth plan, you know, as we'll call it, ensures you won't run out of money in retirement by preparing for your cash flow needs, increased inflation, as we've seen yes. this past year, yeah, uh, taxes and expenses such as health care costs, which is different because it's not something that's taken <clears throat> care of by your employer. You do have to uh, consider that then. And then... Um, you know, that these things, when you consider them, will greatly increase your probability of success in retirement. So having a retirement account is simply not enough. Saving is not enough. Accumulating is not enough. Without this distribution strategy, you really are missing one of the critical components of the, the whole retirement plan. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And we spend a lot of time with folks when they go into retirement about the process that we use. And um, so, you know, a lot of people do save in 401ks and Roth IRAs. Yeah, but having that savings plan, like you said, is not the same as having a, a wealth plan and distribution plan in retirement. And if you look back at history a little bit to the year two thousand, when there was a significant bear market, two thousand and eight, the same situation, twenty twenty. Um, a lot of folks learned the hard way how important it is to shift your mindset away from accumulation as as retirement approaches. So, you know, during those types of economic downturns, a lot of investors were. We're focused on accumulation um, with most of their assets and in, in mid to high risk equities. And if retirement was right around the corner, you know, a lot of folks did not have time to recover. And we hear that a lot. It's like, you know, I'm retiring in two years. Um, you know, what do I do about if we hit a bear market? Right. And so, you know, accounts can go down, but this is where the distribution process really comes into plan. And, you know, wealth income plan really focuses on preservation, protection of assets, uh, a distribution process, making sure that you know how you're going to get money from that, uh, even when the markets are volatile and there's economic instability. And so there's another thing in our industry called sequence of returns risk. And five years before and five years mm-hmm. after, that has a major impact on the success of your retirement savings. So when we go through the planning process, we do a Monte Carlo where we're looking at different sequence of returns and some of them are really, really good and some yep. of them are not so yeah. much. So you got to, you got to make sure you understand the risk associated with it. Yeah. And I think the goal is not hoping you just get that good sequence of returns. Like, oh, I hope I retire. Yeah. And five years later, it's, it's still a good market. Like, yes, we all hope that that happens, but what we're into is planning. 
right. for that sort of event. So I think shifting into a decumulation mindset, it cannot be the sudden move that you're like, okay, I'm going to do it now. It really needs to be something you plan. You plan with your advisor. You plan with your your spouse. Um, and it should be a gradual on-ramp into retirement. So if let's say you're 10 years or less away from retirement, it might be a good time to sit down uh, with your advisor, with your spouse, and think about your risk level. It may make sense to reduce your risk as you prepare. And then maybe within five years, you you reduce it further. You want to do the same thing. It just Don't just all of a sudden say, I'm going to retire and shift. You really want to plan that out because your strategic wealth plan should incorporate these types of investment shifts to provide that peace of mind that we're talking about, John, and protection against major market volatility. Um, a comprehensive wealth plan you know, really not only addresses the portfolio risk management, but it also incorporates strategies to lower tax liability, maximize your income. So the accumulation phase of life ends when you decide to retire, which is under your control really in most situations, but the distribution phase lasts as long as your lifetime. It's really meant to provide for your needs throughout life, which really is an unknown time frame. Uh, so having a plan to maximize this, this income source will help ensure your long-term needs are met yeah. no matter how long <clears throat> retirement lasts. And we go out to age 95. I mean, yep, that's, that's, that's our right. kind of thresh, threshold. We want to yep. make sure people don't run out of money to age 95. That's longer typically than life expectancy, but people are living that long. We, yeah. we see that. So, yeah. you know, there's a, some additional distribution strategies, knowing the amount of income for inflation. Um, so you have to have an inflation factor put in there. Um, you know, that's going to make a big difference over time when you're looking at inflation over 5, 10, 25, 30 years yeah. in retirement. Um, you know, historically, it's been in, on the 4% range. The last 10 to 12 years, it was in the 2% range, but we've yeah. obviously seen a spike yeah. associated with it. So and we hope that will come down. But you just don't, I mean, you don't know. You don't know the future. And so we, we want to plan, you know, with with 4%, whether, yeah. whatever it is in, in mind. So. Yeah, that's right. So to, um, to lower some of your tax liabilities when you start doing these distributions in the decumulation phase, the distribution phase, you may want to start looking at Roth conversions. Um, that's yeah. something that we work with uh, retirees on. You know, your tax bill will be a little bit higher that year if we can do it in the 12% bracket. That's a, typically a pretty good deal. But the additional dollars in your Roth account will grow tax-free thereafter. Yeah, so really good. You know, taxes are currently, you know, near their all-time lows. They're probably never going to be this low again, which means, you know, you're kind of settling up with the IRS on that pot of money that you're doing the Roth conversions on. So a wealth plan can help you strategize when a Roth conversion makes sense. Um, you know, it may make sense, um, could have made a, you know, sense a few years ago, or maybe not, but the IRS has continually adjusted the tax bracket for inflation. So, you know, this year in 2023, if you make less than about $120,000 for a married couple, then you can still fall into the, the 12% bracket. Yeah. So it may make sense to look at Roth conversions. Yeah, that went up about $10,000. It did, yes. Year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you might be in that, that um, bracket now. So, um, yeah, another strategy in the decumulation phase is really planning ahead for your your RMDs, your required minimum distributions, um, because that can really help lower your tax bill throughout the duration of, of your life. So any money that you put or have in a 401k or an IRA will be subject to these RMDs, which now is 73. And I looked yesterday, by 2033, it'll be 75. Yeah. So, yes, that's 10 so years away. Yeah. But it's increasing. Yeah. To at least have that in mind. So right now it's 73. And which just came out with the new um, Secure Act 2.0. I like how they like 2.0 brand it 2.0. Yeah, yeah like a 2.0. software. Right. Yeah, it's the new, new and improved Secure Act. <laughs> um, so your distribution strategy will will really determine the most optimal Social Security strategy. And this is getting a little complex. I understand, but it's just to show you 
how complex this phase really can be. You got social security, you've got, like you said, John Roth conversions, RMDs. And so when you think about RMDs, you think about your social security, which you can start collecting at 62, but you have reduced benefits. Um, if you wait to your full retirement age, which is either 66 or 67, depending on when you were born, you can receive your full benefit amount. And so for anyone um, who wants to wait longer than that, who delays to 70, you actually get an extra 8% a year more on your social security, which could result in an additional 32% in total. So it's yeah, a big number. All that to say, you, you've got a lot of income sources in retirement that you have to consider. Some you have to take. At 73, you have to take your RMD. You can delay your social security if you want. Um, but I think getting into this, if you feel that that this is complex, it is. And so I think sitting down, going through a good strategy to plan out your retirement is really important because most people really, they're aware of that accumulation phase. They know mm -hmm. they need to save. They know they need to save 10, 15%. But when it comes to how you actually use your savings, it is really critical for a long, successful retirement. So being proactive, create a wealth plan that incorporates retirement income strategy, distribution strategy to combat things like taxes, inflation, market volatility, lowering the types of variables, um, will bring more control into your retirement, allowing you to maximize your income yeah. and ensure longevity throughout your retirement. Yeah, I think the other thing, which the, the article doesn't discuss a lot, but like our distribution processes right. is when we have down markets and someone has bonds, which they typically do, and bonds are more conservative than stocks historically, we're mm -hmm. able to pull from the bond side. And so if you're able to leave the stock side alone and don't sell any shares, when the markets recover, you will fully recover. Yeah. Right? right. So that distribution goes beyond the tax stuff and the social security. It's also, well, I need income this month. Where am I going to pull it from? And like, well, the market's down. So leave the stocks alone. Don't yeah. sell low. Yeah, we, smart distributions. Smart yeah, distributions. Not just, distribution. not just exactly sort right. of automated passive, but really, yeah, market's down. You know, even with the good recovery beginning of the year, it's still, if you look at the S&P, it's still down over 12%. Yeah. And so that's, that's considerable. considerable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we want to put those things in mind as we're doing income distributions for, for our clients. So, yeah, that's a yeah. great topic. Great topic, yeah. um, Zach. And so we're going to switch gears here and do the question of the week. Yeah, so I came across this question uh, with, a, with a client recently just about cars and car purchases. And he needed a new car and he wondered, should I pursue a costly repair of his current car or buy a overpriced mm. used car? in this environment? It's kind of a, it's a tricky question. What do you think though, John? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that is tricky. Um, you, I mean, I guess, first of all, you've got to have a mechanic, um, a good mechanic. They trust, yeah. <clears throat> that you trust that's going to look that's at like it. like an oxymoron though, right? Yeah, no well, offense to mechanics out no, there. I know no. there are some that are there good. There are. And I actually, <laughs> I know a couple like personally, um, that I, when I take it to them, um, I just trust them. I mean, they've, they've serviced and done, done well. And so, um, you've got to find somebody that you can trust. Yeah, that's right. Bottom line yeah. is because you got to know what the bill is. So if the bill is going to be $9,000, that's probably going to be a lot better than going and buying a $32,000 yeah. overpriced vehicle. That's right. Right. Yeah. So, but you've got to, you've got to have someone to help you evaluate it. Um, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> will this, how long will the repair last? Is it worthwhile? I think having, yeah, having a good mechanic is huge. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to share a quick story. Please I hope do. we have. Yes, we do. 40 seconds. All we right. Do. So when we moved, well, we didn't move from New Hampshire to Georgia yet, but we were driving down to visit Caroline, my wife's family. And she had an old yellow Mustang she got from like, like, it was like her high school college gift. And rear wheel drive in New Hampshire just doesn't work. Doesn't, yeah. So we wanted to, we were driving it down to give it to her brother and her brother was going to sell it. And the brakes were awful. Mm. So we go to a mechanic nearby and he's like, 
you know, these are bad breaks, but I think, I think you can make the drive. And if, at, at that point, we're like, we're going to go to you forever. Because yeah. he could have easily said, yeah. nope, it's not safe. I would totally get the brakes. But but he told us he, he didn't make any money. Yep. And yeah. then we ended up using him for the seven, eight years we were in New Hampshire. So anyway. Yeah, that's important. I mean, you know, having someone evaluate it. And again, we have a, um, a family friend in, um, in the Aiken area that does that. And I know a really, really good one in Augusta as well yeah. that I, I trust um, yep. personally. So that's important. That's a great question because we get that frequently. We do, yeah. Um, all right, we're going to switch gears here and talk about wills versus trust. And what's the difference? This comes from uh, the Ramsey organization. And Zach, you know, in the world of estate planning, those two documents, the will and the trust, often take center stage. And yeah, they do. There's definitely some important distinctions. And so we're going to go over, we're going to talk about some basics. But a, a will is basically a legal document um, that explains what happens when you when you pass away. And it puts it in writing. It documents it. Um, it outlines things like who wants, to, who do you want to get your stuff, your money, um, guardianship of your kids, or even your pets. And that is <laughs> I mean, a thing. That, it is. I mean, it is a thing. Yeah, you got to figure out that. And then uh, there's a lot of different types of wills, but a simple will is typically um, adequate for most people. And in fact, for 95 percent of people, a will is really all you need to establish a rock solid estate plan, and it protects your family if something ever happens to you and you know eventually it will that's that's part of life and if it you will. Com- if you combine Sorry. that's right <laughs> if you combine that with beneficiaries on your financial account so a will plus good beneficiaries then you have most of your bases covered yeah you really do that's a solid mm-hmm. solid plan so um, the other option is a trust and trust comes in a lot of different forms um, you know there's a, a, a at least a dozen of them and uh, so we're going to talk about the most common ones the most common one is a living trust and that um, lets you transfer your assets to loved ones quickly and easily it's living because it's in effect while you're alive as opposed to a will which only kicks in um, into gear after you're gone so mm-hmm. you can put things like a bank or savings accounts cars real estate art um, jewelry um, you know even um, uh, intellectual property into a living trust um, but even though those assets are named inside the trust, other people can't access them until after your death. So it's just a different type of a vehicle. Yep. Yeah. There's also revocable and irrevocable trusts and terms kind of explain themselves, but a revocable trust just means you can change the terms of the trust and irrevocable trust means you can't change the terms of the trust. Um, for example, if in an irrevocable trust, once you name the beneficiaries for your property, the names of those beneficiaries are set in stone. They cannot be changed. While uh, revocable trusts, um, you know, they can. And so another thing to note is revocable trusts transform into irrevocable trusts yeah. after you after your death. And so. I'll say most most people that are doing trust today are doing revocable. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. able to change and, you know, yeah. you know, because they, I mean, irrevocable means it's not yours anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. in, a, it's right. in a trust and it, it is what it is. And so the, it's a, the complexity of, complexities of estate planning, sometimes you need to make an irrevocable trust to get it out of your estate. But yeah, if you want to control where things go after after you die, then yeah, most is revocable because you want to be able to change that mm-hmm. really up until the the end of your life. So yeah, so another kind of trust that people use sometimes, and this is getting a little bit complicated, but it's a charitable trust, and as the name suggests, a charitable trust, it's used to give away part of your estate to a charity, and so you can create a charitable lead trust or a charitable remainder trust. And the, the charitable lead trust is simple. You designate um, particular assets to go towards your favorite 
um, charity. And with a charitable remainder trust, um, you put your certain assets in the trust that you or your beneficiaries will get income from for the rest and the rest of the assets then will go to the charities once you pass away. So there's two type of charitable trusts that can be considered, and people are doing them. This is like uh, CFP prep for me right now. John. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> you, okay. You yeah. got this. There are tons. There's like 12 of them. It's crazy. All right, anyway, next. Testament. Testamentary trust. Yes. Yeah, so a testamentary trust is one you, you create using a will. So in your will, you basically say, you know, when I die, this and this will be placed in a trust for this person. The kind of trust, you know, like a charitable or special needs trust, you create really is, is up to you, but this just means it will be created through the, the will. will. Yep. Another kind of trust, which we do see people needing sometimes, um, and this is a reason for a trust, is it's called a spendthrift trust, and some people just don't know how to handle money. So if you're looking, if you're, you know, your, your loved ones and you're concerned that, hey, if they inherit this money, it's not going to be good for them, you can um, put this into place, put it into a spend, spendthrift trust, the trust allows you to control when and how your beneficiaries get your stuff. Yeah. So, like, I'll just be transparent. In our case, I don't have a concern with Matthew and Danielle. They're in their 20s now, um, you know, but if if you have, we do have situations where um, there's a family member that's going to inherit this and it would do them more harm than good, then you can spread it out over years and control, yeah, control the that distributions associated mm-hmm. with it. So another trust that we see people using is called a special needs trust. This is where you can make... Um, any dependents with special needs, they'll be supported and cared for. So the money's not actually in their name, it's in the trust right. name. And again, there's some distribution control associated with it. So there's some some definite reasons to use a trust. For most people, uh, a will and that, that beneficiary combination is very powerful. Yeah, it really does satisfy kind of the, the things that most people think a trust is for, like you said, can be satisfied with a will and a beneficiary. Yeah. Um, so what is covered in a will versus a trust? I think this is a good question. You know, one of the most important differences between wills and trusts is the ability to name a guardian for your minor children. Uh, you can name a legal guardian in your will, but you can't in a trust. That's an important point. So mm-hmm. if, even if you have a trust, you still need a will to make sure your kids are taken care of You know, after you're gone. Another important distinction between the two, will and trust, is that unlike a will, a trust lets you skip probate. That's probably the, the biggest <clears throat> selling point Selling point of a yep. trust. You know, yep. Probate courts... You know, they can be expensive, they can drag on for a long time. So skipping them really is a big deal for most. And if your estate gets mixed up in probate because a loved one challenges the will, it could mean your family has to spend the next year heading to court while grieving, which is not fun. Yeah, so. that's that's right. But remember, you, if your will is clear and you don't have a huge estate um, and you you know trust family, probate probably not going to be a huge hassle. Um, and it's usually not very costly. I mean, I've done the research on this in Georgia and South Carolina and you know, there are some costs to probate, but there's the cost for a trust is significantly higher than oh, probate yeah. for most people. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and you, you, know, you probably don't need a trust in that case, um, which are typically more expensive than, than probate costs. And wills are best for families um, that um, uh, struggle with, with trust issues and tension between family members because probate court can't court can resolve those issues. So you have someone kind of managing that process. On the other hand, families who can handle healthy conflict and have a lot of confidence in each other um, can use a trust um, because they don't need to go through the probate court to manage that process. So, and if you're wondering if you can have both a trust and a will, the answer is yes. I mean, in fact, most people Mm -hmm. um, who have a trust also have a will as well. So the question is, is which one is best? Um, You know, and we get that question a lot. And so I'll let you cover the first one, but you know, will is going to be a, a good, solid. I mean, everybody needs a will. 
Yeah, everyone needs a will, and really, it's the best option if you're, you know, like the average person. You've got a couple of kids, you got a house. You don't need a lawyer unless there's something really complicated uh, in your situation, and you can really set up a will in just a few minutes for yourself. Whether you work with an attorney, whether you just do it online. Yep. Um, there's no, yeah, like you said, there's really no excuses. You do need a will. Um, at least. And if you combine the will with the beneficiaries, that is, that's right. a great combination. Yep. yep. And a, a trust, you know, as we went through the spendthrift and special needs, charitable, um, you know, if you want to control the money, um, then that's a good reason for a trust. Um, if you start talking about significant um, money as well, that may be a reason for a trust. And quite frankly, both a will and a trust are a good combination. In addition to the beneficiaries that we keep talking about, you know, if you have a large estate independence, um, you know, and you want to control, and then you, you you see conflicts potentially or spendthrift issues, then um, having a, a trust is a great uh, a great addition. And if there's a legitimate con- conflict between the trust and the will, the trust is going to override the will. Yeah, it's just a, right. it's a higher higher level of and beneficiaries um, override will too. That's I right. Think that's that's a quite a, a interesting fact we get a lot is that. Yeah, if you have a beneficiary on your IRA, it's gone. It doesn't yeah. matter what you say in your will. Yeah, that's going to that person. So yeah, make sure you update your beneficiary. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> so, so the main difference between a will and a trust is that you know, like we said, almost everyone needs a will. Um, most people probably don't need a trust. Uh, there's there's certain cases associated with it. Trust might be more, um, you know, for your need in a certain situation, but it's a great tool in certain cases. So. Um, you know, if you have questions, we have um, some uh, great lawyers in the area that can help you. You can sit down in your situation. Sometimes people have family issues. Sometimes there's land that's uh, involved in it. And it's complicated, and you need to sit down with a, a trusted professional in the in the the legal realm because those guys and and ladies do do very 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 good work. And there's a yeah. lot of details associated with it. So mm-hmm. hopefully that's been helpful. And that was um, good. We're going to talk about the uh, prescription of the week. And man, I can't even believe it's. Valentine's Day, almost. Yeah, next week <laughs> is Valentine's get, Day. I better get busy. Yeah, you do, John. You really yeah, do. Yeah. Okay. And what better way for the prescription of the week? There you go. To draw Good near, to draw near to your loved one, than to have uh, have that talk about the budget. You know, right, John? Oh, I love. Yeah, you know, I we, love talking about budgets. Tammy, I, not not yeah. so much. You know. Yeah, and so I think you know, like I mean, that's really <laughs> the same situation for me. But I think valent or ro- relationships and romance. You know, no one really thinks about budgets. When you talk about connecting, growing close to your significant other, but I really think it is. I mean, if you, you look at the statistics and see that most relational hardships stem from financial difficulties or mm-hmm. questions, if that's true, which it is, then wouldn't being on the same page with your finances be something to strive for in developing a more intimate, and more open relationship with your spouse or significant other. Are you trying to convince me on this? Or No, I know you're with me. I'm trying to convince the <laughs> listeners who disagree with us. But no, I, I get it. Like, it's not the most romantic topic. And you don't want to like, not on Valentine's Day, don't do this. But as a preparation for... The day after Valentine's Day. Yeah, day after Valentine's Day. And just throughout the year to, to be on the same page with your finances. Because it's not about... Finan- the being on the same page with your finances is actually not about the money. Mm-hmm. It's about the things you do with your money. Yeah. And that is an important conversation. So I want you to throw away the the reaction to budgeting as romantic. Um, 
because it is it can be. You may be the only person that's ever said that in budgeting America. is romantic. Yes. That's okay. I'm going to start a new uh a new trend. New trend. Yeah. You need, you need but, to tweet that out. Budgeting is romance. Um Hashtag. but I think when you when you are on the same page, it is it is kind of exciting when so for you know, for us, we're going to wrap up the show in a second here, but uh you know, being able to say, "Hey, we can afford a babysitter every every 2 weeks." Yeah. So we can connect no, and I, like yeah. and be like that's what we're doing with our money and our time. That's that's a good feeling. We can afford to go. Yeah, we save up for our Valentine's Day date um, every year, so we can afford to go to a nice restaurant because we planned and we saved. Yeah, that's not just a magical <laughs> happenstance. Yeah, that's because we we sat down and talked about yeah. uh, the budget. So it gives you anyway. the budget really gives you freedom to spend. It and does. You get on the same page. Yeah. Um, you know, Tammy and I. One of the things that we like to discuss is um, you know charitable giving and you know, organizations or people and mm-hmm. things. And, it, um, <clears throat> you know, it's just something that we're both on the same page on. And if you're single listening to this, have an accountability partner. I yeah. think it's important um, to get a different perspective on on numbers and finances um, because it's it's important. Sometimes we can get in our, in our you know, holes and I see things differently than Tammy. And so if you have an accountability yeah. partner involved in it, then it'll help the process. Yeah, it does. So um, anyway, your prescription of the week is don't shy away from talking about finances with your significant other because it can be romantic. Uh, a very yeah, a vulnerable and romantic endeavor. There you go. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get the feedback on this one. That's a good, I do like it though. I'm just giving yeah. you a hard time, but I, you, I, I totally agree. It. So uh, this has been uh, this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Go to our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions and feedback on Zach's uh, romantic budgeting <laughs> conversation. Call us here at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Hope you all have a great weekend. Yeah, take care. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.